Welcome to Talking Facts, what you need to know about family, food, finance, and fitness. Hosted by the University of Kentucky Family and Consumer Sciences Extension Program, our educators share research knowledge with individuals, families, and communities to improve quality of life. Hello and welcome to Talking Facts. This is your host, Dr. Jennifer Hunter, Assistant Director for Family Consumer Sciences Extension at the University of Kentucky. Today, I'm pleased to have joining me Dr. David Weisenhorn, our Parenting and Child Development Specialist. Today, David is going to discuss a topic that I think is on a lot of parents' minds, and it is discipline, which can, I think, often be a very hard topic for parents and often just don't really know how to address discipline in their household. So, David, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. So let's just get started and talk about discipline in general. What is it? How do you think about it? How do you approach it? Just all those questions. Good, good. Yeah, and this is, you know, it's interesting. And, and Jennifer, there's been a, a large request for people that want to hear a little bit about discipline. And so it, it is a topic that I think most parents have a question or two about. And, and what, what I have found and what I think a lot of the research shows is that discipline, the term discipline incites a variety of notions that are often thought to be synonymous with punishment. So when people think about discipline, they automatically think about punishing a child. And if you actually looked at the word, and I did, so I looked it up, the word discipline actually originates from a Latin word, disciplinia, which means instruction. And they derive that from a root of decir which means to learn. So if, if you took that word as its root meaning, it's to instruct or to learn. Desir also uh, had another a meaning, which is also disciple. So you have this idea of a follower, somebody whom you're trying to impart this instruction and wisdom to. And so discipline in and of itself is just educating, just instructing a child. And so I want to give that to parents to hopefully start to change the way that you think about the term and that, you know, when this idea of it is my responsibility to discipline my child, what your responsibility really is, is to educate and to teach them as a follower of you. I think that's a great way of reframing the, the topic and the idea. Yeah. And I think it has helped me as a, as a parent of young children just to really kind of figure this thing out. And, and really parenting is such a process that we're all doing that. And so I think to be able to try and take times and, and, and break it down, I think can really help put things in perspective. And so hopefully that, that'll help you all put this in perspective. Yeah, definitely. Um, like I said, just thinking about discipline as a way to teach and to help my child learn. I think often when I think of the word discipline, I, just the negative connotations come in, come into my mind mm-hmm. and maybe my response to a specific behavior of my child and was it a good response or a bad response, but I really need to be thinking about it as this is my opportunity to help teach my child and help my child learn. Yeah, absolutely. And because that's it, right? That's our job as a parent. We're, we're trying to help our child become successful members of society. And we want socially desirable children. We want other people to like our kids. And so it's important that we give them that. And and the way that we do that is through instruction. We don't want to rule over our children. We want to see them blossom into who they are. And so I think the way that we educate them, and we think about that as not hitting them, but uh, educating them can help them in this in this uh, world of discipline. So, Do you have tips and strategies that you can share with parents about mindfully disciplining or positively disciplining 
Yeah. So this BF Skinner is a behavioral psychologist, probably the most well-known behavioral psychologist. He was known for this uh, this method of learning that was called operant conditioning. And this was the idea of rewards and punishments. And I think most parents understand to some degree that I can discipline my child, meaning that I can get them to, to do what I want them to do if I reward them or if I punish them. And I would say that both positive and negative, and that's the one thing that, that B.F. Skinner was looking at, was both positive and negative rewards. And so it, what he understood is that both positive and negative emotions shape our behavior. And, and I think it's important that our children understand that. And so the way in which I would suggest going about discipline is being as, as most merciful as you can be in every situation. And so what I mean by that is, is to take the least amount of force necessary all the time. So this idea of spanking oftentimes. Right. Well, that was going to be, you know, I often ask you the tough questions and I was going to ask you to weigh in on to spank or not to spank. I tend to go, and this is the hard part of that question, is that there's always a caveat. Somebody will always throw you a scenario that you didn't think you were, or you didn't know. What I try to do is stay away from this dichotomous yes or no when it comes to that. I, I don't like spanking. I can say that honestly. Is there ever a time and place for that? I try not to invoke that environment in my house that there's not that 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 opportunity doesn't arise but I I want to speak openly to all situations and what I do know is the science shows that there are adverse community effects and so this idea of communities in which there's a high crime or violence uh maybe uh, gang violence or, or drug related environments and uh, hostility that maybe more dire means are necessary. And so I I try to avoid the absolute yes or no, but what I would encourage strongly is the least amount of force possible. The most important when we're talking about disciplining is that what the child is learning, and this this was uh, taken from a woman by the name of Barbara Clarosa. She was a nun, and one of the things that she really focused on in behavior was Making sure that when we when we call a child down, that we we're making sure they know what they've done wrong, they know that they they take ownership of the problem, and that they then are given ways to solve the problem. So we show them what they've done wrong, we give them ownership of the problem, and then we give them ways to solve the problem while leaving their dignity intact. And I think that's a really good approach to to disciplining a child. As you were explaining that, I'd often heard, especially with with little ones, that if a parent picks a kiddo up at daycare, maybe they have a negative report. Maybe they've bitten a child that day or they threw a toy or they did something that the retroactive discipline five, six, seven hours after the event has occurred for a small child that they often can't remember what it is that they did. And they Mm. might not know why they're being punished so that there's ways to maybe go back and have those conversations and to discuss it. But again, not not shame the child or, you, you know, spanking the child or taking away a reward from the child. At that point, they often cannot associate why that negative behavior is occurring 
with the action that they committed earlier in the day. Absolutely. Children have a really difficult time unless you catch them in the act to be able to tie why they're being punished to, to the behavior that caused the punishment. And so I think that's, that's a really good point that you bring up, Jennifer. Because what giving, when you work in the, through this, the giving them, telling them what they did wrong, showing them what, they're, what they've done wrong, give them ownership of the problem, and then give them ways to solve the problem, what you really do or you're helping the child you're giving them opportunities to make their own decisions and consequently their own mistakes. And then you're guiding them through that so that when they grow up, they're not scared to make a mistake and that when they make a mistake, they know how to solve the problem or at least they feel confident enough to do that. And so I want to give you a, for instance, so say a child is, and this is part of my uh, research study that I conducted. And so maybe a child goes, you tell the child three times, don't, don't take the milk into the living room. The child takes a glass of milk into the living room and they spill some milk on the carpet. One parent might say, you know, what in the world are you doing? I told you not to go in there. I can't believe you did that. What were you thinking? Get out of here. You know, you're really upset with the child, right. right? What happens is that child then begins to believe they, they're bad. So when they make a mistake, they begin this process of hiding that mistake from you. A feeling shame. Absolutely. So I'm going to hide this mistake from you, which later in life becomes detrimental because they're not sharing maybe when they're in trouble. And then they possibly lose confidence in themselves, which then later in life that that looks like when I have a problem, I am a problem. And, And so they pretend that it doesn't happen. Or they make a mistake and they, they pretend it, they, it never happened and they begin to kind of suck that inside. And that begins to really kind of create this, this con- lack of confidence. Or you have a, a child or a parent who says, oh, honey, you know, oh, oh, oh baby, you, you spilled that milk. I'm so sorry. I gave you a slippery glass. Here, let me clean that up for you. Well, and, and while I do that here, you take a glass of chocolate milk and you just, you, you, here, here's another glass, right? So what happens with that child is that you're telling the child it's not your fault. Mistakes are due to other shortcomings. And so that child begins to grow up and they say, oh, well, why? Th- th- this is classic. And you, you may have had this in your own class, Jennifer, as a student come up and say, why'd you fail me? Right. 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 This idea that it's the teacher's fault because they didn't explain the information all the way. Or I couldn't take that test. I didn't do well on that test because I didn't have enough time to take that test. Or the student behind me was making popping his pen. And so it really bothered me. So this idea that... There's no responsibility. It's not my fault at all. So the way that I would suggest, the way that you would, as a, a child would or a parent would address that situation, spilled milk, is that you say, "Wow, looks like you've got a problem. Look at the look at the mess you've made. Why don't you do me a favor? You go get a rag and come on back, and we'll clean this up." And the child comes back, and then once you clean the mess up, you, the child is you're helping that child pick a mess, and then you you present them with. An option. You say, okay, well, out of, out of these two glasses, which one are cups with lids on them, which, which one would you like? And they get to select. The importance of giving them that, so that opportunity to select gives them a solution. They're solving a problem, right? Not only have you said, wow, you've got a problem there. You made a mistake, right? Okay, so that you're in a problem right now. You're in a situation. Let's clean it up. You go do this. I'll help you. We'll we'll get this cleaned up together. And now you got to make a you got to make a choice how you're not going to do that again. So what's your choice going to be? Young kids, they might not be able to make that choice. But as they get older, right now, your son has has missed dinner time two nights in a row because he's been at his buddies. And you say, okay, hey, listen, bud, tomorrow I want you to stay home. 
you can have your friends over, but I don't want you going to your friend's house because you've been late and, and dinner time is really important to us, right? So now that dinner time is really important to us. I want you, I want you to be back uh, in a certain time. And in order to do that, I want you to think about it for the next two days of how you think you can not be late the next time. So you're not really pun- over-punishing them, right? Right, And it kind of follows these, these rules of, um, and again, this is Barbara gives us of, of reasonable, simple, valuable, and practical Right, so it's it's within reason. I'm not going to ground you for six weeks because I don't want to be home for six weeks <laughs> <laughs> to watch you. It's it's rather simple. Um, it doesn't have to be complex. It's a very simple thing to do. You've stated why it's important, and this is where I think a lot of parents go wrong: is this idea that you know this is important for me. It's important that you do this. It's important that you listen to not taking the cup in the living room because. When that milk sours on the carpet, it smells terrible and nobody wants to deal with right. that, right? Or bugs or, or whatever. Or in the case of the dinner time, it's like, hey, this is the one time a night that, that we get to sit down as a family and I cherish that. So it's valuable. And then practical, right? Like I didn't ground you for six weeks, but like, what's a new way to do it? Do we need to set a timer? I'm not going to call you because that's a, and that's the thing I would also say, avoid for parents to say, I'll step in and I'll call you. To, I don't want my son to be late or my daughter to be late for school or for practice or for coming home. So I'll call you before it. That does not give that child responsibility. Right. Do not do that. Instead, give that child an opportunity to make mistakes. And if they make a mistake, allow them the opportunity to solve that problem. Give them the confidence that you say, you know what? I know you can do this. I know you can come up with a way to where you're not gonna, you're not gonna be late. I believe in you. Some of the things that I really appreciate about what you've just said is the the idea of Going back to the spilled milk example of working with the child, they have to take the ownership in cleaning up, but working with the child to help them clean up so that they know that, you know, maybe a, a problem existed, but they're not alone in in fixing it, that you're there for them, you're going to support them, you're going to help them, but you want them to take the leadership in it. And I also think, as you mentioned, when you're talking about students as they, or kids as they age and uh, maybe get into high school and college, that anything that we can do as parents to help them grow their problem-solving skills is, is very important because um, we definitely see students that lack the ability to problem-solve on their own, that mom and dad have often stepped in way too much. And, I, and it's hard as parents because yes. we, we want to fix our children's problems, that we don't want yes. to see them hurt. We don't want to see them struggle. So if we can see a way to easily step in and fix that, sometimes sometimes we do. But mm-hmm. the more we can do of taking that step back and helping them identify, you know, well, what are my options here? And how can I go about solving this problem on my own? I think I think is a great, great takeaway takeaway for parents. Just real quick as we wrap up, I think it's important to mention because sometimes I go into to mommy guilt that as mm-hmm. as parents, our goal is to do our best in disciplining, but there could be a time that maybe we do not discipline properly. And we need to understand as parents, is that okay? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And this is one thing I would I would tell a parent, you know, move your move your trash can. Go go home. Get in your your kitchen and move your trash can from one side of the room to the other. And in one day's time, see how much trash hits the floor. It is very difficult to change a behavior that we have become accustomed to. And parenting is no different. 
so there's a lot of grace that needs to happen in our day-to-day process of parenting is that yeah we're going to mess up we're we're going to make a mistake we're we're not we're going to we're going to go back on our haunches we're going to go back to what we're used to we're going to go back to that muscle memory of of tossing that that banana peel in the corner and there's not going to be a trash can there and it's just going to happen and so what we need to do is is give ourselves grace in that changing behaviors take time so falling down and and making mistakes is just part of that I absolutely love that example, and I and I love the statement of about giving ourselves grace. I think that's important for parents to remember in not only discipline, but in lots of different parenting skills and parenting activities. Thanks so much for being with us today, David. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to Talking Facts. We deliver programs focusing on nutrition and health, resource management, family development, and civic engagement. If you enjoyed today's podcast, have a question or a show topic idea, leave a like and comment on Facebook at UKFCSEXT. Visit us online at fcs.uky.edu to learn more about the University of Kentucky Family and Consumer Sciences Extension Program or contact your local extension agent for Family and Consumer Sciences. We build strong families. It starts with us.